Welcome to Launch Your Practice, the show that helps therapists build a thriving private practice. I'm your host, Megan Hamilton, and each week I'll be sharing insights and strategies to help you grow your business and achieve financial success. Running a business is not something that we're taught in school, so I've created this podcast to help you learn and avoid some of the sidesteps and mistakes I have made to help you build a profitable private practice. So if you're ready to transform your business, join me on this journey to building a profitable private practice. Now let's get started with today's episode. Welcome, my friends. It's Megan Hamilton here with Launch Your Practice. I am joined here today by the lovely Meg, who is with Involve with Meg Therapies. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. And it's always interesting to me how with the time zones and time changes that we can still use technology and make these interviews possible. So thank you for that. Tell the audience a little bit, Meg, about yourself and your practice. Sure. So I will first start by saying that I'm a social worker by background. I have my bachelor's of social work and my master's of social work. I finished my bachelor's of social work degree. I'm from Winnipeg, I should say, from the University of Manitoba in 2016. And I started working in healthcare. I worked in rehab, working with individuals overcoming stroke and acquired brain injury for about three years. I started my master's degree after working at the BSW or the Bachelor of Social Work level about a year after that. And then I started my master's and then After my master's, I had my toes dipped in multiple different kind of things. In social work, so I started working in like a leadership, like a clinical lead type role in a hospital. And then I, I, it's funny, I was thinking about this prior to coming on the podcast today. I'm like, how am I going to say how I started private practice? I said, I literally met with my friend who was in private practice. We went for a run and I picked his brain and I said, I'm like, how do I start a private practice? And we ran and he just said, well, you know, I just one day decided. I'm going to try this and you should do the same. So I made myself a psychology today account and I was like, let's see how it goes. <laughs> and, it, and it's, it's been four years, I think almost four years, four years in August later. So I kind of have a interesting story, but that's kind of how I started. I worked full time and I started working like some evenings and weekends hmm. and I started my private practice from there. <laughs> But it's kind of, I always say it's kind of a funny story that one day I decided I'm going to start a private practice. And then I did. And then I was hoping that the people would come and they came. So it's funny, my story. I think, I think you're bringing up two really great points that one, there's no like one way to go about it. Like there's no magic way or you didn't like sign up for something at like with the, this instruction booklet on what to do, you know, and, and the second piece is, is to just start. And you did. And here you are today and it's gone really well. So that's amazing. We, you know, prior to the recording today, we've talked about this concept of, you know, when you get started and your toes are in the water and you're kind of swimming around that it's really easy to, you know, try to work with everybody, try to cater to all kinds of presenting challenges and whatnot. And I look forward to talking on this episode today about how you found your niche and a little bit about that process for you. So how how would you how would you say you kind of landed in that? Or what were you noticing as you began in the work that helped you to kind of refine that process? Yeah. So 
being that my background was in healthcare and as much as I started in rehab and then I went to a different hospital that was bigger that had like multiple different like areas. I felt like in healthcare, you kind of just had to do everything. You had to make it work and you saw people of a wide range of ages You and you saw people with like different needs and you had to make it work. So I kind of adopted this thing into my private practice that I was seeing people with diverse needs. I was I was doing a lot of different things, but I felt like I did it okay, but not great. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I felt that, you know, I, and I didn't do a ton of private practice when I first started. I did like maybe an evening and a weekend day, like a few sessions. And I kind of just was going at it gradually because I still worked full time at the time. And I felt that I was doing a lot of different, like I was seeing people for diverse situations and I was kind of feeling like, okay, I feel like I need to do some training in something to help people, but I can't do all of this training. So I actually, well, because it's required in Manitoba as a social worker to have like a supervisor. And I started talking to my supervisor about like, what do I do here? Because I enjoy working with all these diverse people and diverse situations that they're bringing up. But I also feel like I really need to kind of focus this so that I can do some additional training and be more focused in my practice so that I'm a better therapist too. So we kind of landed on, given my experience in healthcare and given what I felt like I liked doing the best in my private practice, that I was going to do more like crisis, trauma-based work mm-hmm. in my, because I've worked in healthcare. I'm very, like I did a lot of medicine work, ER social work, ICU social work that I felt most comfortable when there was maybe like a complex situation that I had to kind of figure out the puzzle pieces and put it together to help, which that's often a lot of trauma-based work where you're trying to figure out, okay, where are some of the root causes of this person's response or how they're feeling? So we talked about it. And then I started to kind of do more therapy, have more focused work, feel like I could help people better than I was helping them before. Yeah, I th- you're bringing up a really great point in that, you know, based on where we're working, when we start private practice, we kind of adopt the same kind of approach, like, because having been in public health myself, you just work with what's in front of you, you just, they need the help, you're the person you, you do whatever you need to do to support them. That's how it works, right? But that's a real different shift when, when you come into private work, because, you're right. You, you can't help everyone or at least not everyone to the best of the ability if if you kind of lack that guideline and focus, so to speak. So it, it's pretty amazing that you had that feedback that early in the process. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm very grateful for that feedback because I kind of just felt that, you know, I feel like as private practitioners and sometimes we're not always like I'm not part of a group practice. I was working on my own. Right. I felt like that was really important and it was really important for me to reflect on my practice and feel like, okay, does this feel good? Does this not feel so good? I feel like I'm, I'm a doing a decent job, but am I doing the best job I could be doing? I probably wasn't. And I mean, practice always like your private practice will always evolve. Like I were, if I were to think about myself, like four years ago, I'm a much different therapist, but I, I also think that that's normal. And that's the beauty of private practice. You know, you haven't talked a little bit, you haven't acknowledged, our, you know, the hangups in kind of the emotional impact of coming to some of those decisions around 
like I, I didn't hear you internalize, like I'm not doing private practice right or what's wrong with me or, you know, kind of those flavors of imposter syndrome kind of come up for you. And I, I'm not sure if that was part of the process for you. Well, that's like, part of it. Okay. Sure. Okay. Well, I, I would, I would, if you're open to it, I would love for you to kind of acknowledge because when you present this kind of insight and shift in your practice, like, you know, you're kind of acknowledging like, I knew I wasn't doing the best job, but I recognized kind of where I came from. And so I realized that my approach had to adapt and change. And that is beautiful, but it sounds really simple. And, and I, I assumed like in in hearing you say that, that maybe there was a little bit more complexities around some of the emotional response to that as a therapist. So are are you open or? Yeah, no, absolutely. And then that like, imposter syndrome like and it's still a part of practice I think that that's partially normal but it's it's kind of going through some sessions where I was I felt stuck sometimes and I felt like okay this is where I can take this this is what I can offer this person but I don't have the training I don't have the knowledge I don't have whatever it is that they're looking for so it it resulted in some tough conversations to kind of shift my practice but then you know acknowledging that am I a good therapist or not like do I really know what I'm doing and I feel like sometimes as I get more into private practice I have more awareness of what I don't know too I think that that is good (laughs) But I also think that sometimes like you can have sessions or you can have kind of interactions with people where you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure if that went great. I'm not sure. Like, and, and I have had those experiences where I've internalized and said, like, I did the best that I could, but I don't know if it was good enough. Mm, Yeah, that's so, that's so powerful. And I'm so grateful for you to kind of bring that to light and to the surface because we all have those moments. And I think you're right. The more we get into the work, the more we we're aware of what we don't know and, and our awareness kind of grows. So maybe there's fewer moments, but you know, the ones that we do have are quite profound and we're very aware of them. How do you, how do you navigate that as you continue in private practice, aside from supervision? What does that look like? I think what I've started to do is like every Sunday, I don't see clients and I don't because I still work part time in healthcare and I don't do any of that work on Sundays. So I find that I take a bit of time and like reflect on my on my practice and reflect how my week went and reflect on what I liked and what I didn't like. And I mean, sometimes things don't feel good for different reasons, but I really try to kind of think about, OK, is this what I like? Is this what I don't like? Is this bringing, you know, some challenge in my life, but not too much challenge. Do I have balance? So I, I really like to do that on Sundays to kind of, cause I feel like I have like a clear mind and I'm not going through like the hustle and bustle of like, mm-hmm. I have this many clients a day. I have to do this. I have to send these letters to all these things. So I feel like on Sunday, I really like take like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour to really think about like, how are things going? And yeah. then I also, at the start of my day, And even sometimes the day before, I kind of look at the clients that I'm seeing that day and I kind of think, okay, so how are these sessions going? Does this feel good? Do I feel like I have the training and the help or can provide the help to these, this individual that could really make a difference in their life? And I feel like, you know, 
going back, when I started private practice, I was like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do all these things. And I feel like sometimes with healthcare, it's hard to do that because there's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. things, policies you have to follow. And of course, there's standards of practice and code of ethics. But I really do feel, feel like you've more freedom. So I feel like I have freedom, but I also have to make sure that I'm being the best therapist that I can, I can be and kind of like thinking about, okay, what are things that I can do with the individuals that are coming to help from me? Right. So like a multi-level reflection, like it's a, it's a weekly overview. It's also, it's noticing what feels good, what feels maybe challenging. And then kind of, why does it feel challenging? And then you know, as part of that process, you know, and always refining your niche and your focus, like what, what do you, how do you navigate changes to that? Like, are there times when you recognize maybe someone isn't the best fit for you for some other presenting reason? Like it could be helpful for you to speak a little bit about that because it sounds like your insight is really amazing as far as like being able to look at some of those situations. And those are hard calls when we come to some of those conclusions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like, so because my niche is like crisis trauma focus, I do tend to have a lot of, like most people come to me for that. And then other practitioners will refer to me for, for that as well. And I have specific training in trauma and I have specific training in EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing for those that don't know, it helps to people to reprocess memory. So I have specific training, but if I feel that, I feel sometimes people come And, you know, I I talked a little bit earlier about like the different puzzle pieces and sometimes someone's issue might end up being something totally different after you kind of, it's like an onion where you peel the layers. And then sometimes I, I assess and I think about, okay, so, you know, I can have a conversation about this is what I can offer. And then that's person's choice to decide where we want to go, if we want to continue and work on what I've offered, if they want to be referred out to someone else that might be able to offer better than I can in terms of what they're looking for and meet that person's needs. And that's okay. It's perfectly okay to refer someone out. I know a lot of social workers in my life. I love social workers, but I, I feel like it's a gift that many social workers have around that kind of assessment. And then here's what I can offer and here's how I can help to connect you with somebody else. Like it, I'm sure it's not always that simple or easy. So, but I feel like social workers just come with such a beautiful, like skill set in that area as they come into private work. Like it's like a pre preset skill set that they, that they carry with them that recognizes, you know, to some extent that we can't help all people and here's what I can no. Here's what I can't do. Yeah. And I mean, I like to kind of work in partnership with that. Like there are situations where I've had like, this is like not working. And I know for a fact that I'm not the right fit for them. And I will maybe be a bit more assertive in that conversation. But I do like to as much as I can have that decision come from a partnership and leave it up to the client to be able to share. Okay, I like what we're doing or like provide me with some feedback of saying like, I like what you're doing. I want to integrate this in more. Is this something that you can offer me? And then having that kind of dialogue of whether I can provide that or not. Right. If, for example, if someone were to come to me and say, I, so I, for example, cognitive behavioral therapy, a great therapy, a lot of skill-based stuff. But if someone were to come to me and say, I want strictly CBT 
or cognitive behavioral therapy with worksheets and structure, I would know that I would not be the best person for them, but someone else would. And that's great. And I could find that and help that person be connected to another person who would be able to offer that for that person. Support, support that, that process. What would you say is helpful for therapists as, you know, whether they're newer or, you know, they've been at it for a while, but, you know, as far as defining or refining their niche, like what, how would you, what would you recommend or suggest to people to, to start to figure that out? I think that thinking about what you like best in your private work, I think that's something. So if you're enjoying working with people who deal with anxious thinking or low mood, maybe you could kind of look at different trainings that talk about anxiety or anxious thoughts and low mood. I also think conversations with colleagues that you might work with or a supervisor or people that have been in private practice. I think for a while, I think that that's a really good, good resource. I also think that having that reflection on your own, I talked a lot about that, having your reflection on your practice and, and thinking about, okay, so what went well this week? And like, what didn't go as well this week? And it's okay if things don't go well, but kind of thinking about, okay, so like, Why didn't they go well? Is there something that I'm not comfortable talking about or supporting someone? Do I need to engage in training about this? And training doesn't always have to be like an in-person or like a couple day training over a virtual platform. It can be reading articles. It can be attending a webinar or looking at like the webinars that are available on the internet with regards to that topic that have already been done. Like that doesn't necessarily have to be an investment or a training that is offered over periods of time. Cause I find sometimes it's hard to take time away from work. Yeah. It's exciting sometimes, but it's hard. Yeah. I think that that's a good starting point. And even just like trying a few different things, like trying like a, a few, you're seeing a couple clients on this topic. You're seeing a couple clients on this topic and you're seeing a couple clients on this topic and you're trying to see, okay, what do I like about this and trying and not focus on, I can help everyone that's coming to my door. And I think things evolve, right? Because people you start to become maybe more known. You start to have people that you really like, mm-hmm. kind of issues that you really like to work with. And then that's kind of how I then reflected on my practice and kind of said, oh, well, I feel like really comfortable and really excited to work with people through trauma as well as like crisis-based work. And that's kind of how I further develop my practice and things can shift too. That's the beauty of counseling. You can always, if you've been in private practice for a while, you've been working in a certain area and you say like, okay, I would really like a change. That's also perfectly okay too, that you could change things and shift. That is such a big lesson and takeaway in this conversation. One is like that validation and permission to just try different things. Like I think there's this expectation that we come out of school and we have like this laser focus ready to go. And and I, that's not how it, how it goes. And, you know, secondly, that if we think we figure out what our niche or population or, you know, struggle is that we want to really help people with that, we can test that out. We can work with it for a while and then we can change our mind and do something different. I think that's where people get hung up on choosing an area or a niche or two populations, for example, is they get really overwhelmed with 
not wanting to be known for that thing. Yeah. It's a commitment. No. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Something that I've started to do because I'm trained in EMDR is you can do EMDR on like a range of different things. So as much as I've said that trauma and crisis is my main area, I've started to dabble in other areas. So I've done some like phobia work, which is related to EMDR, but I've kind Mm -hmm. of like dipped my toes in and seen, okay, do I like this? Do I not like this? Or some people do come with trauma, um, a trauma history, but we're working on their exposure to a certain be like certain thing that they have to do, like driving as an example, or how they feel with a certain animal. So kind of like that kind of thing, but still staying in the niche of like trauma-based therapy and EMDR, which I'm quite passionate about that. I love that. I love that. And you're right. Like there is movement within and, and we can kind of I used to have a, a, a instructor that would always talk about how are you keeping it sweet, right? And so I think having that freedom and recognizing that we have permission to kind of move within, you know, an area like EMDR and try different, you know, areas within that and or adopt even, you know, a different therapy in addition to. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. That and I think that's that's true for things beyond EMDR. But if we, yeah, you can always see like, okay, so I, I practice with CBT, maybe I could, or cognitive behavioral therapy, maybe I can add in some mindfulness-based stuff that might be able to kind of ground my practice even more and make it a more like holistic, eclectic yeah. approach. Yeah. And I think the more we get into the work, the more we recognize, you know, are maybe there are some shifts there with what we thought we were going to get into. And then suddenly we realize, oh, actually we want to do something else. And and then that's okay. It's okay to try different things and, and adapt. And that's what, that's the beauty of private practice. Like you said, mm-hmm. you have a lot of freedom for sure. And, and, you know, maybe you want to try something new. And I think that that's great. And it can re kind of excite you in private practice as well. And, keep things new and fresh and add to your training and your expertise. So I think that that's wonderful. Yeah, me too. If you could share something as far as a recommendation or, you know, if you could redo some of the process of you determining on how to, you know, figure out your niche, what what would you, what would you share with the audience? I think my thing is that I, I would give myself permission to not be everything to everyone. I think that it's important that like, cause I think you talked a little bit about earlier about how I was kind of very, this is what I did. This is, this is how I did it. It sounded great. It sounded great. It's not, no, I definitely had the imposter syndrome and like the internalization and in, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right choice for sure? But I also think that it's, you know, you are bringing something to someone's life. You're trying to help them. You're trying to help them work through whatever it is they're coming to see you for. And I think keeping in mind that you don't have to be everything to everyone and you can have a niche and you can say no and you can help people find other practitioners that would maybe be more versed in whatever that person's looking for. And that's okay. And I think that's like the biggest thing that I've learned in private practice is that I can, I guess, niche my practice, I can focus it. And if I want, I can change like things have certainly evolved since I started and they continue to evolve. I'll probably be different next year too. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that is amazing. And that's okay, right? That's the the true beauty of it. And that's, I guess, the underlying message to our, our conversation today is we don't have to be everything to everyone and it's okay to change. And it's such a fluid process. Yep. Now, where, Meg, can people find you if they're curious about your training, the work that you're doing, and have questions about, you know, niching and those kind of things? Share with us where people can find you. Mm-hmm. So can find me on Instagram, Evolve with Meg Therapies. You can find me on Psychology Today. My name is Megan Ferguson. I'm from Winnipeg. You should be able to find me there. And then you can also find me via email, evolvewithmegtherapies at gmail.com. That's amazing. My first guest from Winnipeg. So it was an honor to be with you today. Thank you so much. It was great. That's it for this episode of Launch Your Practice. I hope you found the information valuable and actionable. Remember, building a profitable private practice takes time, effort, and persistence. But with the right mindset and strategies, you can achieve your goals and make a real impact on the lives of your clients. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you have a moment, I would be so appreciative if you took some time to leave me a review. Your feedback helps me improve and reach more people just like you. If you have any feedback or future topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Launch Your Practice. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for tuning in to Launch Your Practice. Until next time, keep building your dream private practice and remember to take care of yourself along the way.